0: Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Doctor E. J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. Me. Greetings, this is your host, Dr. E. J. McKenzie with the Master Key. On this Tuesday afternoon, we pray that your day has been blessed. And we pray that God is doing excellent and great and powerful and mighty things in you and through you. First of all, I want to apologize for yesterday. I uh, yesterday was a holiday and it threw me totally off. Uh yesterday seemed like it was the was the weekend. And the next thing that know, my wife looked at the clock, 7 o'clock. The block talk, it was after 7 o'clock. And I said, oh, my goodness, uh, yesterday is totally, totally throwed me off. So those that joined in on yesterday, and, of course, you did not receive anything, uh, it was because I totally got thrown off on the holiday on yesterday. So we do apologize uh, for that, and we pray that you accept our apology. I uh, have some things I want to share with you this evening uh, that is on my heart. It's really on the heart of God, and God has put it on my heart, what's on His heart. And uh, I know God is uh, really desiring to prepare us uh, to begin to uh, walk with Him in a more intimate way, uh, that there can be a greater demonstration in the earth realm, or a greater reflection of who uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, in the earth realm. There is a tremendous call. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, to move us from a uh, church, the way we know church, uh, to a kingdom mentality and the kingdom mindset. Uh, God is a God of order, and everything that God does, he does it from the perspective of order. Heaven creates the order. We don't create it. We just simply is to obey it. In the midst of our obedience to the order of God, we have heaven's Release in our lives We have heaven's backing We have angelic assistance As you and I uh, Discover the order Submit to the order And then we engage in the order Your protection is in the order of God No weapon that is formed Against the order Of God can prosper Absolutely none That is why Jesus could not die Even though he was sinless Uh, He could not die Because he was living, walking in the order of God, the will of God. My prayer to God that God will awaken all of us uh, uh, to the dynamics, the principles of the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom of God has come from heaven. That the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That cannot take place if you and I do not develop a kingdom mentality and a kingdom mindset why you and I are living in this realm. Jesus said that he was in this world but not of this world. So Jesus' mindset was not shaped from by this realm, but Jesus shaped this realm and dominated this realm by the mindset of the world that he was of. And the world that he was of was from heaven. So God has sent the kingdom of God from heaven into this realm, that the will of God may be done and performed in this realm. I personally believe, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength of Scripture, I really believe, with all my heart, mind, soul, that Jesus really did defeat Satan, his cohorts. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated everything that the enemy brought into this realm. And... and My question is, I'm going to read a scripture that I read uh, in our Sunday service. uh, Kind of set the pace of where I'm going tonight. Jesus is on his way out of the earth realm. He's getting ready to die. And so, therefore, he began to encourage the disciples that I'm sending somebody else like me. Uh, And he's going to be with you always. He's going to lead you, guide you, and direct you into all truth. I want to read this particular verse of Scripture because it set the premise for what I want to share, uh, the Lord want to share with you tonight. And I pray tonight that you and I would be provoked, and I pray that the Spirit of God would challenge us. Uh, we really got to go beyond the fundamentals. We're still wrestling with the fundamentals, the majority of us in Christian don't. We're struggling with our identity. We're struggling with divine health. We're struggling with divine wealth. All of these really is fundamentals and elementaries. Even when you begin to look at the book of Corinthians, think about it this year, if you will. When you begin to look in the book of Corinthians, when uh, uh, Paul began to write to them, uh, Paul in, the Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter, uh, in First Corinthians, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. In uh, First Corinthians, also talks about all things belongs to you. Uh, he talks about in First Corinthians about uh, measuring ourselves among ourselves. Uh, some said of Osephus, some said of Apollos, some said of Paul. He rebukes them on these things. He talks about in First Corinthians that First Corinthians uh, is really is a a book of elementaries. because he said I cannot speak to you as unto spiritual. But i got to speak to you, it's under carnal. So think about it. So he wrote 1 Corinthians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit from a natural perspective. He could not even talk to them spiritual. Think about it. And so therefore, uh, even though the Holy, he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had to hold him back from articulating from a spiritual perspective. But do not we call 1 Corinthians a weighty book, because some very powerful principles uh, in 1 Corinthians. And so therefore, but Paul called it elementary. He called it fundamentals. He called it natural, carnal, because that was the state and the condition of the church of Corinthians. Flow powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Paul said, according to knowledge, they they were second to nobody. But yet he called them carnal. That means there is a spirituality. There is a there's a realm. There's a place that God really desire to bring the church into. That you and I will walk and demonstrate the lordship of Christ in the earth realm. I want to read out of uh, uh, John chapter sixteen, and, and and this is fundamentals as well to let us see. See, we've got, we got to really come to the place where we stop struggling with ourselves, struggling with our identity. I'm giving give you an example. Uh, uh, my middle daughter uh, came to me one day a couple weeks ago or last week, in, uh, was last week, and asked me, do I ever feel like God is disappointed with me? I started laughing. Of course, there have been times I felt like uh, God was disappointed with me, and that's especially in my earlier uh, days of salvation. Uh, anytime I missed it, man, I cried for a week. I'm praying, praying, praying all day long. i got to forgive me 50, 60, 70 times a day. Uh, uh, praying, hear me, God, please hear me. And um, that's elementary. And And I remember the Lord rebuking me. And I'm going to share what he said to me. He told me I was putting him on hold. And I didn't really understand what he meant in the beginning because he told me uh, uh, he could not forgive me of my sins. And then I went back on God and quoted the scripture to God. That's how religious I was. Didn't know I was religious. But he was helping me. He was training me. He was educating me. Concerning the way he thought. How he is. And he said, I can't forgive you. And what scripture did I quote to God? First John 1 9. Quoted it to him. And God said, Ask me, of course, why are you telling me my, the word? I know the word. And I and I said, Well, that's what your word says. You say you could for me. He said, I know what my word says, but you don't know what my word says. You quote in the scripture, but you don't know it. Because if you knew it and believed it, you will be asking me 50 times a day to forgive you. You will ask me one time, you will believe that you received, uh, that I forgave you, and you will move on like nothing has ever happened. And I said, well, Lord, you, I, I understand it, but I feel so guilty. He said, what feelings have to do with the reality of my word? And that's what the we, enemy we, tricks us. That's on the elementary level. We still, even some of us have been saved 20, 30, 40, 50, and we still struggle with the same thing. That is why we're not seeing greater moves of God in our life, because we have not bypassed the fundamentals. And and, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, from this day forward, I will not continue to tolerate this from you. He said, he said, when you ask me over and over and over and over to forgive you, he said that you are more conscious of sin, the thing that you have done. And when you are conscious of sin, you are not conscious of me. And when you're conscious of sin, you have put me on a hold. I can do nothing in your life. I can do nothing for you because of sin. Gave me some scriptures. How sin, he turns his face from sin. It's sin that has separated you from God. Now, I'm separated from him as long as I'm conscious of the thing that I ask them to forgive me of, see, these are elementaries. This is fundamentals. And, and and He said, I can't. He said, when you are sin conscious, then uh, I'm on hold. I cannot do anything. He said, and plus you have. He said, plus He said, and you have of the people on hold who I have assigned you to pray for. I have a sign for you to warfare. I have a sign for you to cover in prayer. He said, those people's lives is on hold because I can do nothing because you are sin conscious. You're still struggling with the thing you don't ask me 50 times. And the Lord said, from this day forth, I will not be playing tug of war with you. He gave me an illustration. An illustration was a handkerchief. He said, the handshake is the sin that you have committed. When you ask me to forgive you, it's delivering the handkerchief in my hand. He said, but the problem is you won't turn loose the handkerchief. I got it in my hands trying to take it, but you're holding on to it. He said, from this day forth, I will not be dealing with you in this manner. I will not be in a tug of war with you, trying to take away what you asked me to forgive you of. He said, and when I mentioned to him about the feeling thing, and that's when he said, "What do I have to do with the reality of my word?" He said, "You have to walk by faith, even in your forgiveness, son. So when you ask God to forgive you, you He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You got to walk away. You got to get off your knees, or however you're praying, and you got to leave God's presence." Like nothing has ever been committed. But the problem was I was feeling guilty. I was feeling dirty. Where do you think the feelings come from, ladies and gentlemen? The enemy understands that the majority of us, we are more natural than we are spiritual, so he plays upon our emotions. He plays upon us. The demon spirit will war against you, and because you cannot see them, you believe it's you. You believe God is angry with you. You believe that God is upset with you. You believe that God has taken away your job. You believe that God has put sickness and disease upon you to punish you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not even biblical. That is not biblical. When you ask him from your heart, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why would Jesus put on you something he conquered over 2,000 years ago? He defeated sickness and disease. He defeated oppression. All of these is fruit from the root of sin. He conquered sin once and once and for all, Scripture says. He don't die to sin anymore. He died to sin once. So we got to get free and begin to walk in victory over the fundamentals. So I shared it with my daughter, and she said, "I, said, I asked the question. So, well, why do you feel uh, like God has disappointed you?" She said, "Seems like I just can't do nothing right uh, uh, lately. I'm constantly making mistakes. Uh, uh, she's not following, uh, executing uh, 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 what her mother and myself tell her to do. Uh, so she been she going through this period of the enemy bombarding her." Because she's missing it. Now, let me share another principle with you before I begin to read the scripture here in John 16. Here's another manipulation. And I begin to share some principles with her. I sat down with my whole family and brought that up to the whole family so I can help the whole family. See, instead of just trying to help her, I'm sure my wife has been bombarded this way. My other daughters has been bombarded this way. I've been bombarded this way. But why? But Why? So I had to sit down and explain, and we began to read some things and read to them and share some things with them, how even spiritual things, how the enemy can manipulate you even with spiritual things where he calls you to be conscious of, of lack of your spirituality, that you are not growing. Anybody, but anybody, able bombard, I'm not growing. Man, I've been saved this long, so like I'm not growing. I'm, I'm, this ain't happening. That is happening. I'm going to tell you why you feel that way, because you measure yourself with somebody else. And the greatest enemy that blocks you and stops you is the fundamentals. It's found in the book of uh, Romans chapter 7. When you begin to read Romans chapter seven, what stands out in Romans chapter seven before you go to chapter eight is the personal pronoun I, I. And I shot down my daughter and showed her where well, she missed it. All of us has missed it. at, why she was feeling this way. I, I feel I feel like I can't. I'm not doing everything right. I, I don't feel like God. Uh uh. I feel like God is angry with me. 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 I, me, just the enemy. It works in the negative and it works in the positive. Same thing. Anytime your focus is on you, you have already failed, even positively, even positively. Because what did Paul say in the word of God at the end of chapter 7? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who is wretched? I, I. oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What was his answer? Christ Jesus. So when you and I are conscious of him, it's impossible to be conscious of yourself. I share where that's how the enemy got you. You should have been focusing on him, setting him before you. And, ladies and gentlemen, this is the act of your will. It, it's not automatic. It's not automatic. <laughs> Most likely, you gotta even fight to do this. Fight to set the Lord before you. Fight to be conscious of the Lord. And the only way you to be conscious of the Lord, you gotta get in the Word. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, some praise music, and 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 not just get into the Word to be dis- dis- distract yourself from the enemy. That's a trick. Uh, listen to praise music just to distract your occupy your mind with the music and so your mind is not occupied with yourself or the devil. It don't work that way. The praise music, as you're singing it or listening to it, should be giving you a greater revelation of who the, who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit is. So as I'm listening, I'm becoming conscious, aware, not of the music, not of the lyrics, not of the person I sing, how nice the uh, melodious their voice may be, but I'm conscious of God. I'm conscious of Jesus. I'm conscious of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, if you renew your mind this way, watch your life be empowered. And that's why praise and worship don't work in church, because it's not working properly at home. So when you in church, when praise and worship is going forth, if you're not having a vision of Jesus Singing to, uh, uh, seeing Jesus, uh, see yourself ministering to him. And that song, ladies and gentlemen, your song is a song of death. It's not a song of life. You just sing in it because it sounds good and it makes you feel good. But that song is not ministering to the Father, nor the Son, nor the Holy Spirit. Because you're really not even conscious of him. You just conscious how good you feel. Your your conscious state, and how many people ever sung? Praise and worship, but you're conscious of everything and everyone that is around you. It is songs or words of death that is being released out of your mouth. Because you're conscious of things, you're conscious of people, but you're not conscious of the one that you're supposed to be ministering to. Are you are you getting this? We got to go beyond the fundamentals. And we get, this got to become a reality to us that we know how to minister to him. We know how to engage in a relationship and fellowship with him. We got to master our feelings and master our emotion. What was happening with my daughter, she, didn't, she felt like, she felt like, she felt like God was disappointed with her because I'm sure she felt oppressed and depressed. You know why? Because she was thinking about herself. Thou shall keep thee in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, Isaiah six three, I think it is. He said, you will keep me in perfect peace if your mind if my mind is on me. How in the world could peace come from me? It can't. It only comes from God because God is the peace, the essence of all peace. So I shared that with them, and, and my family said they understood. And so, therefore, it's one thing to have the knowledge of the thing, but it's another thing to practice the thing. To practice it. No two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. So therefore, I cannot be conscious of God and conscious of myself at the same time. One or the other. The moment I'm conscious of me, you can take it to the bank. Somewhere I'm getting ready to get manipulated. Positive or negative. If it's positive, I'm getting ready to be lifted up in pride. If it's negative, I'm getting ready to be uh, uh, oppressed and depressed. So, we got to go beyond the fundamentals now, let's read this right here if you will, in the book of john uh chapter sixteen. Let me open up my Bible here if you will, and you know I got this mechanical Bible. John chapter sixteen I'll be reading out of the amplified version, starting with verse seven. This was my foundation scripture on on sunday uh uh morning. So I want to give this to you And so you can be able to uh, uh, I'm not going to preach this I'm going to share the scripture because This is a question I begin to present to the people And we need to see the reality of this thing A lot of us we say all the right things But we really don't believe The right things that we say If I ask you that did Jesus really conquer Satan You're going to tell me yes Did he really defeat uh, the principalities and powers You would say yes Did he conquer sin You're going to tell me yes Did he conquer death You're going to tell me yes You're going to tell me all these things, but we don't see the evidence and the manifestation uh, in our own lives. Look at this, if you will. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, starting with verse 7. I'll be reading verse 7 through verse 11 of the Amplified Version. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away, Because if I do not go away, the Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Advocate, Intercessor, Strengthener, Standby, will not come to you. And these are all the things, excuse me, that the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold dimension of the Holy Spirit, this is what He desired to be to us. And this is evident what Jesus was to the disciples when he was on the face of the earth, he was these things. So I'm sending you another uh, comforter, another counselor, another helper, another advocate, another intercessor, another strengthener, another standby. This is who the Holy Spirit is supposed to be to us. But think about it: when you and I, I do not say you and I, when the average person think about the Holy Spirit and ministry of the Holy Spirit. What you the average person think about his tongues. So I'm asking you this question here: When was the last time that you called on the Holy Spirit for comfort? When was the last time that you called on Him to counsel you, that you needed some counsel in an area? When was the last time you asked Him to help you in a certain area? That could be a math problem, that can be a calculus problem, that could be a geometry problem. There can be a literature of whatever your task may be. How many of you ask him to help you, to help you as a husband, to help you as a wife, to help you as a father and a mother, to help you as a daughter or a son? When was the last time you asked him to help you to be a good employer or a good employee? When you were stuck in a situation, did you ever ask him for help? When was the last time you asked him uh, 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 to intercede? With you concerning the matter, to strengthen you concerning the matter. See all of these things. The Holy Spirit, He said, this comforter I'm going to give you. He said, we will not come to you in too close fellowship with you. Close fellowship. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is close fellowship uh, with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. He said that twice. And when he comes, verse 8, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it. How is the Holy Spirit going to do this? How is he going to convince and convict the world? Notice what the scripture says here, if you will. And bring demonstration to it. And do what? Bring demonstration to it. The Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate. He wants to demonstrate to the world so the world can be convinced and convicted. Convinced and convicted. Convinced of what? That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord. Jesus, Master, Jesus, King. And to convict them for not receiving him as Lord, Master, and King. You're going to convince, convince them through what demonstration and the manifestation. The scripture says in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven, and the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And then it began to talks about I'm not quoted in, in order words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, gifts of faith, gifts of healings, uh, uh, discerning of spirits. Gifts of healing, workings of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecies. He wants to manifest and demonstrate. For what reason? To convince, to convince, and to convict. Convince first, then convict. Give an example. On your job tomorrow, the Spirit of God is going to allow somebody, something to happen, to give the Holy Spirit to convince those individuals that Jesus is Lord over whatever the situation is. He is their salvation. He is their deliverer. And then he wants to convict them after he convinced them. Through you. How? Through you. You are the instrument. You are the person that the Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate through. But how, when the last time the Holy Spirit demonstrated anything through you? The last time, what was it? Tongues. You began to speak in tongues. And who benefited from that? What kind of demonstration was that? It was none. The only way that there was a demonstration was you spoke in tongues and got an interpretation of the tongues for somebody that was present. And that interpretation is no different than prophecy. And they was able to identify with that was God, how did you know that? He demonstrated for a reason, to convince them that God loves them and knew everything about them. And the conviction should come end up in convincing, or the convincing should end up in conviction that now they should give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on, if you will. It says here he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about, about, here it is, sin, number one, and about righteousness, number two, of rightness of heart and right standing with God, and about judgment. Those three things the Holy Spirit is going to do. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Just stick with me if you will because I'm going somewhere. I have a question for you. So those three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 9. And about sin, because they do not believe in me. About sin, okay. When the Holy Spirit demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ, it is designed to convince them and to convict, convict them that they don't believe. They have not believed. So that's why it needs to be a demonstration. So therefore, that the one that don't believe will begin to believe. Why do they believe now? Because of a demonstration. Because of demonstration. People is not giving their life to Jesus because he said, Jesus loves you. You see how the enemy has come into the world? Everybody's wearing crosses. Everybody, every all not everybody, but the majority of sinners wearing crosses around their neck. And so they believe that they're saved because they got a cross on. So it's going to take, ladies and gentlemen, God is moving the church into a place of demonstration. So it goes on, verse 9 again. It says, about sin, because they do not believe in me, trust in, rely on, and adhere to me. Let me see where I'm at. Da, da, da. Yeah, adhere to me, verse 10. About righteousness, of rightness of heart, and right standing with God, because I go to my Father, and you will see me no longer. And the righteousness thing here have everything to do with once their sins has been con- uh, been convicted of the sins through the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Now they can receive Him, and once they receive Him, they become upright in heart from God's perspective. God just made them righteous. The demonstration was designed. To convince and to convict so they can of their sins that now they can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's move on. Verse 11. And this is the one I really want to focus on here. About judgment. Because the ruler, evil genius, prince of this world, Satan, is judged and condemned. And sentence already is passed upon him. But what is the evidence that Satan is judged, Satan is condemned, and Satan is sentenced already? Or, excuse me, a sentence has already been passed upon him. What is the evidence? The demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit demonstrate in a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discernment of the spirits, Gifts of faith, gifts of healings, workers of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. When the Holy Spirit demonstrates that in the life of someone, it's a revelation that Satan has already been judged because of the demonstration over Satan. Because of the demonstration over the works of Satan. This is what it's going to take in this last hour. This is what it's going to take in this last hour. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because we got to understand why we're not seeing a greater demonstration. Now, verse 11 just told us that Satan has been judged, the ruler, evil genius, prince of this world. Didn't call him king, prince of this world. Satan is judged and condemned and sentence already passed upon him. If I ask you, do you believe that, you're going to tell me yes. If I ask you, do you believe this is true, you're going to tell me yes. Now, if this is true and we know it is true, Then my next question would be to you. Who has the greatest influence on the economic uh, uh, forces in this world? The church or Satan? Satan. Who at this particular time has the greatest influence on the entertainment world? The church or Satan? you going to tell me Satan. Well, if you said the church is not true, that means then we will be controlling Hollywood. Who has the greatest influence on the media and airways? Satan or the church? Who has the greatest influence upon the educational institutions of this world? Satan or the church? Who has the greatest influence upon the religious powers of this world? Satan or the church? And we know Mormonism, not Mormonism, but uh, Muslimism is increasing exponentially. They're, they are the fastest growing, uh, on, on the last statistic I read, the fastest growing religion in the world Muslims. So evidently Satan still have a greater uh, influence on the religious powers of this world. Then I just read verse 11 that Satan has been judged, Satan has been condemned, and sentence has already been passed upon him. If that is true, and what we just finished reading about the Holy Spirit is true, he talks about that he... He's come to convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to the world. These kingdoms I just mentioned are in this world. Then, what's the problem? What is our responsibility? We pray, we ask God for finances. We pray, we ask God for a house. We pray, we ask God for a car. We pray... And ask God for things that has already been set free for us. Satan, who used to—I won't say used to—who had authority over these kingdoms, has been dismantled. But yet, he's still manipulating the kingdoms. See, this is why I said we, you, and I—we got to go beyond the fundamentals. You and I, the church, will never, ever be able to ascend and to begin to take authority over these kingdoms. The book of Revelation says the kingdoms of this world has become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. It will never happen, ladies and gentlemen, as long as you and I are still dealing with the fundamentals. I'm still struggling. Well, do the Lord really love me? I'm still struggling. Why do the Lord uh, 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 don't love me? I'm still struggling with unforgiveness, the elementaries. I'm still struggling in my faith and my trust and my confidence in him. I'm still struggling on just a fundamental level when God wants you and I, the church, to ascend. And we take hold of the kingdoms of this world and make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. He really did dismantle Satan. Satan. He The Bible said when he rose, he rose with not some, but all authority in heaven and all authority in earth. All these things I just named, the Bible let us know in Colossians as well as Ephesians, that in the fullness of time, God gathered together all things in one in Christ, in heaven and in earth. Gathered together all things in heaven and in earth and placed them in Christ. These kingdoms uh, that I just uh, uh, mentioned Jesus is really lord over them. He, he scripts them of his authority, his right to these kingdoms. Why you think that we're not seeing a great progression and a great move of God in apprehending these kingdoms? I want you to think about this, if you will. I want you to think about it. Every civilized nation if that nation is experiencing any level of success that nation is experiencing that success because of the strength of its government government is designed to bring order and in that order there's progress in that order there's progress And I personally believe that that's where the enemy has blocked and stopped and hindered the church. I'm going to quote another scripture that I quoted on on, on Sunday. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus makes this statement in, in the gospel. He said, a kingdom, a city, a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. When we see a lack of progress in our churches, and the reason why a lot of churches cannot gain momentum, when it seems like it's about to gain momentum, it's about to grow, it's about to break out, there's always an attack on the leadership, the government. Or there may not be a good established government in the first place. So we have to examine our government. The government is the one that established the order, the order of progression. We're going, this is the order of the house. What is the order of your house? What is the order of your home? What's the order of your church? Let's start with those two institutions. What is the order? Is there's any order? Is there any rules and regulations? that governs the relationship of this family. And if there is a government, is it biblical? Is it according to the pattern of the word of God? If not, ladies and gentlemen, then the enemy can come in and he can manipulate the family because of the lack of government or the government is not according to the pattern that God has prescribed for the success of that family. Government. God has already created a government for that home to be successful. God has a pattern for the church. Government. And every government, the strength of the government is not just the head, but it's the it's the it's the staff, the head of the government, and those that are around him. They must be on one accord. Even if one of them don't believe fully, but they still submit to the head of that nation, that state, that city. Because they understand that personal opinions is is not greater. Than the decision of the whole. We have to learn how to flow. We need to learn how to relate. Even in a home, the power of the home is the government of the home. Who's really the head of your home? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? Is it your children? Who are you submitting to? Whose voice are you submitting to? And my prayer, my heart, my heart of hearts goes out to every male gender because this has been a manipulation in the United States. The majority of homes is raised by a single parent, father, mother, the majority in America. But it's usually the female. And here is, see, Satan is a long-range planner. He plots and plans 50 years, 100 years in advance. Before you're even born, he got things plotted and planned for certain things to be executed on a certain time to destroy the order of God. And he knows if I destroy the order of God, then God have no place in the thing that is chaotic. That which is not from a heavenly origin, he knows God cannot, shall not, and will not move in it. So let me, let me dismantle the order of God. Let me bring chaos into the order of God. Let me manipulate one of the parties in the government, and make them feel like they are being treated less than someone, for them to rise up and take uh, uh, authority or usurp authority. We're looking for usurp the authority that God has already established, or let me get them to come against, to speak against the established authority by God. Who is the established authority by God? The head of the woman is the man. The head of the man is Christ. Let me get them to come against the established authority. Let me get the children to rebel against the parents so I can release a spirit of destruction in this family. Same thing it does in a church. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. The moment the children of Israel and these are patterns. we got to discern patterns. The moment the children of Israel comes out of uh, Egypt, the whole congregation began to momegranate and grandma complain because there was no water. They had, well, they went to the, uh, Moriah, which is bitter waters, and they went to stone kill Moses. This came out of Egypt. It saw great signs, wonders, and miracles, and they wanted to kill the established authority. Because things was not working out the way that they thought they should work out. Every time something did not work out well in the natural, they want to kill Moses. The devil wants you to kill your parents. And you don't kill them physically, you kill them with your tongue. By judging them, being critical and judgmental. And you do the same thing with your Pastor. You do the same thing with your boss on your job. All authority that be has been ordained by God. To touch the authority is to touch God. Matter of fact, that should be an assignment. That's an assignment for you. Read Romans chapter 13. Read it in different translations. And meditate on it. The Bible says uh, to touch the authority is to bring damnation on yourself. And I did a message years ago called um, self prescribe Damnation! I think with damnation, judgment, Self, self-prescribed judgment. You can you, I tell you what, you can tell what judgment is going to fall upon you by how you handle the authority. You have already created a future of judgment, a destruction based on how you touch authority. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a serious thing. In order for you to progress. You've got to understand the order of God, how God thinks, how God operates. You don't, you, don't, you don't operate by your feelings and your emotions. You've got to come to the place that you're disciplined. You learn how to keep your mouth, your tongue off of that which God has established for your good. A government is designed to benefit you, not to wound or to hurt you. God knows how to deal with the authority. When authority figure do you wrong, God know how to deal with that authority. See, God loves humanity. Humanity is God's creation. God doesn't love your authority more than he loves you. God loves humanity. And he put authority in our lives for us, for our protection. But all authority does not use what God gave them for God. They use it for themselves. God know how to deal with them. You should pray for your authorities. War and battle for your authorities, for it's because it's for you, it's for your good. And the Bible tells us we should do that anyway. Your good, my good, it's for the good of our nation. We got to learn how to start doing that. David is the perfect example. Uh, uh, one of the perfect examples it was a perfect example how to not touch authority. You know the word of the Lord, uh, the God anointed uh, 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 Saul king. And he forfeited his position. God found another man and anointed him. But God, when he anointed him, anointed David, Saul was still king. But he was a king that lost his anointing. He still had the position, but he had defaulted in his relationship with God. And that's another thing that uh, uh, people need to understand. You can be in a position of authority, but you have defaulted. Satan is still in a position of authority. But he defaulted. You say, what do you mean how he defaulted? He defaulted by disobeying God. He still is the same chariot that he was created to be, but he's just in darkness at this present time. So we have a lot of people that was ordained as a thing. And you may be still walking in that position that you was ordained, but kebab has been written over you the glory, the presence of God has left because you defaulted. And you don't really default because you have made a mistake or error, whatever the case may be. Everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God, but usually you default is because you refuse. You rebelled against God and you refuse to change. You refuse to go in the route, God send people to you, send prophets to you, but you constantly reject them because you really believe you're right. Somewhere you have been manipulated. When I look at our uh, some of the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, have been manipulated. A uh, 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 lot of you know well-known men, men and women of God that has been manipulated, and they have turned. We have an obligation to pray for them, to war for them. And and ask God that He would extend His mercy, and God will bring them to the end of themselves, that they will recognize the, the error of their way, instead of us talking about them, putting our tongue on them. And and I'm gonna go ahead and mention his name, Carter Pearson is one of the one. Now Carter Pearson to me was one, of, uh, one of our generals in our day and time. And so when he got into the gospel uh, a conclusion a exclusion, of, uh, now we know that's a form of heresy. Now, we ought to do the right thing uh, uh, if the the person don't want to turn. And from my understanding, he did not want to turn, and so they excommunicated him. And a lot of people said that was wrong. No, that's biblical. But we still have an obligation to pray for him because he's a soul. He's still alive. He's not dead yet. So we battle and we war and come against the spirit of deception. We come against the spirit of blindness. We come against these forces that has manipulated him. A man that was raised up in Pentecostal all of the days of his life. And all of a sudden, at the end, something something happened somewhere. Somewhere the enemy planted a thought into his mind. He accepted the truth. That don't happen overnight. So we have an obligation to pray for our brother. Even as if he's not, con- well, he, I think he's still confessing to be saved. But we still have an obligation to pray for him, to war for him, to battle for him. He did not submit to authority uh, from understanding. The council uh, of bishops, uh, 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 they called him. He came in, and the council of bishops asked him questions, and he didn't listen. There's no reason for you and I to have relationships that we're not going to listen to, especially if we have a council of people in our lives that is notable men and women of God that is considered to be found In God, sound in doctrine, the demonstration is in their life. And so I would have put it on hold. I believe I would. I would have put it on hold, and I would have submitted to my authorities. Because the Bible says two is better than one. Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. So if I got a board of people telling me the same thing, then somewhere I must be missing it. I must be missing it. And so, therefore, let me listen to the wise counsel and and leave this revelation alone and continue to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. And if it is God, God knows how to bring it to uh, uh, to the forefront and manifest himself. Let's not get caught up over the things that come to divide. And I pray to God that we we'll, we'll get getting the hold of this thing here because government is very important. Order is very important. Relationships is very important. So the enemy's ultimate goal is to manipulate the assigned relationships. What is your assigned relationship? Your father and your mother. That's the initial one. Your father and your mother. We say, my father and mother haven't been good to me. Well, be good to them. Be good to them. And maybe your goodness to them will break a satanic and demonic yoke that has been manipulating your father and your mother. That they probably manipulated from their, gener- uh, from their family line. And so therefore, you may be the one, that child, that God is raising up to break huh, the chaos and the confusion in your lineage. And the way that that takes place is you may have to take that. Like Jesus took our sin and He defeated sin. You have to take the chaos to defeat the chaos. That's how it works. See, we 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 want to be able to defeat it without experiencing the pain. It doesn't work that way. The very thing that you may be experiencing right now and is unjust. It is unjust. But God has assigned for you to take it. Why? Because. He wants Christ in you to conquer it manifestly. Jesus already defeated it, rather, but He want to He want to manifest the defeat in you and through you. What He did on Calvary's cross, the demon spirit that the devil that He defeated and conquered on Calvary's cross, Jesus live in you. Now He want to manifest that defeat through you and I. And so, therefore, He will allow you and I experiencing some things, but we have the right attitude, the right mindset. Why? Because this spirit has already been judged, condemned, and sentence has already been passed on it. Well, anytime the devil is using any human being, understand that scripture. That spirit that's using that person has already been condemned. Judgment has already been passed on that spirit. And that spirit has already been sentenced to judgment. It's already been sentenced. So now you've got to understand you really have authority of that thing that Jesus already conquered. But where we miss it at, our eyes is so on people and not the spirit that's using the people. And so, therefore, there cannot be a manifestation and a demonstration of Christ as our victor, Conqueror, and overcomer over the forces of darkness that's using those people. Government, order. So the enemy stops and blocks the progression of God because of a lack of order, chaos, and confusion. We see this with Moses. Moses come bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, besides the congregation. What is the first test with the people? First people, Moses' sister, Moses' uh, brother, Miriam and Aaron come against the established authority. And how sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we got to learn to uh, uh, increase and decrease. And one of the saddest things we see a lot in, in, in Christian do is when God saves and raises up a sibling. It may be the youngest. It may be the middle person. And God raised them up. And, and sometimes people have a hard time, family members, acknowledging and recognizing the anointing of God upon them. They still want to see them, this is my boy, this is my girl, uh, this is my baby. It's hard for them to recognize them as the man and the woman of God that God has elevated, God has raised up, God has processed. I heard a preacher uh, make this statement, uh, I think it was today, he was talking about how uh, uh, how God has raised him up, and this this preacher have about 900 churches up under him, and he said his natural father made a statement in a conference, stood up and made a statement and told the people in this con- in, in the conference that his son is his spiritual father. He submit to his daddy because here's the natural father, recognizes the grace and the anointing that's upon his son. And now, see, you got to understand, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. So his father recognized uh, that what's on his son is not on him. And his son has many, many spiritual sons and daughters all over this world. And God had to deal, evidently dealt with the natural father. And the natural father submitted himself to his natural son as a spiritual son. And his spiritual, his natural son became his spiritual father. Ladies and gentlemen, you know that I have to be God. That man got to be real saved. Real saved and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and a relationship with the Holy Spirit of the most high God. That's powerful. When I heard that. I said that's that's powerful. But how many? How many family members can submit themselves to a one of your siblings and parents to one of your, uh, your children if God elevate them and raise them up as a spiritual father? If God raised them up with that grace order from a kingdom perspective, we cannot allow the natural to destroy the spiritual the spirituality that God has established in the earth realm. let's examine ourselves let's let's examine our churches if God has called you to your pastor. If you know you you you've been uh, the enemy has been bar- bombarding you, you have not uh, been walking in oneness with your leader. Go to your leader and repent and say, God convicted me. I heard a message on Tuesday evening, and the Spirit of God convicted me. I have allowed some things that I didn't understand to divide my heart with you. I have not walked with you with an undivided heart. Will you forgive me? I'm ready to get myself back in alignment to be cover you, to protect you, to pray for you, to war for you, to do whatever you need me to do to advance the kingdom of God in this ministry. If it's one of the spouses, if it's a wife or the husband, if with children with parents, it go tell them and say, forgive me for my rebellion. I have not stood with you. I allowed some things that you said or did to offend me, and I, and I got offended. And so, therefore, I have not been as loyal as I should have been because I was offended. Repent of it. Get it right. Because God is not a God of mistakes. If God has assigned you to somebody, be loyal to that person. Be dedicated to that person. I'm going to be teaching on on, on fathers uh, uh, probably next week sometime. Paul made a statement in the word of the Lord. You have 10,000 instructors. But you don't have many fathers. You only got one father. And every other person coming to your life is an instructor, is a tutor, but not a father. You only have one father, but many instructors. So, so anybody, anybody, great preacher, teacher, come into your life. And they may even have a greater anointing than your father. They may be a greater teacher, preacher than your father. They may be more gifted than your father, but God didn't call them to be your father. If you have a relationship with them, they're only an instructor. They're not a father. And everybody needs a father. Everybody needs someone that can help advance them into the divine uh, divine and perfect will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie, with the Master King, we pray that the Lord God has ministered something to you today. And uh, I want you to call your families and friends to join with us tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning is our last uh, day for our last Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, of the month prayer line. Uh, Call someone. Call your family and friends from all over the nation and nations of the world. Call them to be with us at 530 in the morning. Look forward to being with you. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Let the rest of your night be restful and peaceful. God bless you. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio.